Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broaden our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I am here with Jason. Hey, everyone. What's up, my dude? Oh, you know, just hanging in there, working a lot. You know, me too, dealing me too. with uh, fallout from the storm a few weeks ago. Yes, your house is devastated. Yes, it's Swiss cheese. But the basement is fine, and that's all that really matters. <laughs> yes, the fortified basement stands. <laughs> the uh, the genre exposure HQ still still lives. It is impervious. <laughs> it will fall to nothing. But you know, I'm ready ready to podcast, man. Ready to do it. Awesome, I'm excited. So we have finished our cool block about science fiction. We've gone on this big sojourn. Mm-hmm. Two different styles. Yeah, it's to the stars. And now we're to our listener episode, and we happened to notice we had a few that were also science fiction, so yeah. it seemed like a good time to pull one on one of those. Just throw one in there. Just to, just to round this off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so today we are going to be talking about Open Your Eyes from 1997, suggested to us by the one and the only Urban Groucho. Mm-hmm. We love you, man. He of impeccable taste. Yes. You have never steered us wrong, so it was sci-fi. It seemed like a safe bet. Yeah. Um, and this also, just for reference, to get it out there, uh, there is an American remake of this, Vanilla Sky. I'm certain we will get into a little bit about that Very in the course of talking about it. I thought about watching it yeah. or, or trying to watch it. I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I thought about it, too, because I was like, wouldn't it be good to have seen both to compare them and contrast them? Mm-hmm. And then I, I looked at that poster and the fucking like, Tom Cruise plastered right yeah. on there, and I was just like, no, yeah. I can't. But I do remember some of when I tried to watch it back when it first came out. Mm-hmm. So I can remark a little bit. Well, I did it. read a pretty detailed like breakdown of the plot. Because mm-hmm. that was my real question. is like, what did they Yeah, it's pretty close change? for the most yeah. part. We'll get into that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before all of that, we're going to do our usual stuff. Uh, talk about what we've been watching lately. Yeah. Don't quite have a shout-out this time. Been pretty busy myself with work. But I did want to talk about one thing up at the top. Uh-huh. So last time we talked about <laughs> uh, the revival of Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, still raw from that. And that rawness only got worse because the trailer dropped for The Exorcist, is it Believer? Yes. Believer, yes. The first of a new trilogy from Blumhouse, directed by the one, the only, David Gordon Green. Why do they have to come out of the gate saying it's a trilogy? Why can't they just make the first movie and if people give a shit, yeah, make more? Do you remember when like studios saw how stuff went first before they... <laughs> Barely? <laughs> ...put down money on everything? I think it was back when they were still actually showing movies on film. So, it was a while back. So, now I must be obligated to ask you, my friend. Uh, we both watched the trailer. We did. How do you feel? I think it looks like a piece of shit. Yeah, I thought it looked like garbage. I mean, it is a trailer, and perhaps it is not indicative of the film. Mm-hmm. But, it, uh, Chris McNeil, what, is she an exorcist now? <laughs> Why would she be an exorcist? <laughs> does, does Reagan show up at some point? I mean, did they ask Linda Blair? You know they're not going to get Linda Blair back. Come Why on. not? I'm sure she would do it. Maybe if they had a good script. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it looks bad. Mm-hmm. It looks bad. One of the oh. things that really irritated me, I think I mentioned this to you and Michael, was the fact that there's a scene where she's walking in the church mm-hmm. and she starts talking to the possessed girl and of yeah, course yeah. she gets the demonic voice thing. But it's just like, you know, pitch shifting. It's mm-hmm. all just done digitally. Right. It's not like Mercedes McCambridge doing a real yeah. organic performance. That was what made that so haunting in the original. Yes. Yeah. It was so effective. And this just sounded like a fucking animatronic Halloween decoration, you know? <laughs> well, it was just every other modern exorcism-based yeah. yeah. movie. Every other possessed movie, yep. Um, 
Because that was like the Pope's Exorcist, I noticed that too, with, mm-hmm. the, with the voice shifting. But it was like, that movie did have some compelling parts to it to make I it kind of fun. It, but I can't comment. Uh, you know, whatever. But this is, you know, this is the Exorcist, man. This yeah. is like, if you tell me to name like some of the like greatest horror films of all time, this one has to be on there. Top and, three, easy. Yeah. At um, least it doesn't look like it's a straight up remake. You know, mm-hmm. at least it looks like a sequel of sorts. That's a little comforting, but still it's like... But I mean, let's be honest. Outside of Exorcist 3, none of the other Exorcist projects have been any good. Yeah. I have a little bit of love for Dominion, but it's it's got a lot of problems. And then they knew it had a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, and we have problems. That's why someone came in and said, fuck it, throw out all the slow parts and put in wacky shit and make the beginning. <laughs> let's get Rennie Harlan to make it. <laughs> uh, so here's what I want to say about it. This is my little two cents. Uh-huh. Uh, and I get it. We've never made a movie. We've never sold a script. No, uh, so no, blah, blah, blah. All, all that caveat. But... We're people. We have opinions, and we can share them. And I share mine now. Yes. The fact that Chris is an exorcist is like really weird, and just seems like super left field. Mm-hmm. That just seems like a ham-fisted way to keep her in. Yeah. The plot. Yeah. Um. There's a line that she delivers where she's talking about like, oh, every every culture, every religion has their own exorcism rites, and they're each mm-hmm. different, and da da da. And we're going to need all of them. <laughs> we're going to need. got to be and inclusive. That's, like, ah, that's so fucking stupid, dude. Like. <laughs> It doesn't matter which type of thing you're doing for the exorcist, but like pick one and then do that. And then that's what it is. Well, the whole exorcism <laughs> right is a Catholic right. Right, right, you right. Know? I mean, um, but I think like there was, what was it deliver us from evil? That horror film that it ended at a big exorcism and it was a rabbi that did like a, a sure. sort of like Jewish rooted type mm-hmm. of exorcism. That was interesting and cool. But I think like Michael said this when we were talking to him and uh, our little like chat for the podcast that we plan stuff out in, but, um, right. The whole thing about exorcism is this, is this matter of like, you know, faith and belief and the struggle of a person's will. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like when you say like, Oh, we're just going to use like all the exorcism arts from every style that exists out there. That kind of like cheapens it a little bit in a way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And then the fact that they're being like, oh, it's, it's back again. And Chris realizes that it's it's the one that's back. And it's like... <laughs> I wonder if they're going to have like a, um, an atheist exorcism. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't believe in you, demon. You don't exist. You shall vanish now. <laughs> they don't want to offend anyone. They got to include everybody. They in need this. the chaos magic exorcism where it's like a dude shows up with like a carton of raw milk. And starts drinking it, and right. it's just like rotted. And it's, because I drink this, you shall vanish. Uh huh. Uh huh. Just weirdness. Need the guy from a dark song in there. Yeah. Um. And then the other thing too is like, there's something about the original Exorcist and the way that story is and it's executed. It's like it's like to me it's meaningful because it's all about it's really about you know Karis more than it is about yeah Reagan, and it's about his his struggle with his faith and his life and where mm-hmm. he is at that point. And that all culminates with him deciding to, like, you know, take the demon into himself and then sacrifice himself yes. to save Reagan because that is the only option that he sees that's still available. Right. Because he, he realizes that they're not, you know, I guess, uh, mentally, spiritually strong enough to get the job done. Right. Um, and they did this with the Exorcist TV show, too, where it's like they, they make a change in the plot to, like, keep... I guess we'll just say Pazuzu. They'll probably throw that name around a ton. I'm sure. Even, even though they're very subtle with it in the original. But it's like... They want to keep that as the thing, but then like that cheapens Karis's sacrifice and yeah. everything he did. Right. And I don't know. It never sits right with me. So, I mean, you know, if you listen to the show regularly, we hated all of the Halloween sequels that mm-hmm. they did. So I won't be catching this in theaters, but 
<laughs> Maybe it's one of those we all get together and stream it and yeah, my expectation have some like drinks below and zero. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So but that, it's also it's like the Exorcist is such a classic good movie. It's one of those things you just never ever needed a sequel to. Oh. It's got the perfect ending, the original ending, not the director's cut that came out later on. <laughs> And to me, if you um, were going to try it now, like modern times, I feel like it should have gone to like the A24 school of filmmaking. Right. I think somewhere in that style between several of their different films, you could find a modern take for The Exorcist that would work. Sure, but it's also just, I don't know, maybe maybe recent failures of franchise films may be an <laughs> indicator that people are getting sick of this shit. I don't know. I mean, it's Perhaps, hard for a yeah. horror film to not make money. Mm-hmm. As long as they didn't spend $100 million on this, it's going to yeah. make money. <laughs> I, know. I don't know. For me, The Exorcist, like I gotta have a little like gravitas to it. Sure, uh, it's not just it's not just like a, a funhouse thrill ride, right? Type of I thing. I think this is what that's gonna be. It looks more like a Conjuring film than it yeah. does an Exorcist film. Whatever. Okay. <clears throat> and more on those kinds of movies in a bit. So, what have you been watching? Mm, interesting. All right. Well, um, I went to go see Barbie. All right. Yes. Haven't had a chance yet, but we're we're going soon. I like it. I recommend it. Did it, did I, it I make you go film time. yourself for an hour while you burned Barbie dolls and complained about it like Ben Shapiro? <laughs> Dude, people need to get the fuck over themselves. They really do. The Barbie movie is not a threat to you or your way of life <laughs> or society. <sighs> Woohoo! It's a fun movie. It's mm. a good movie. Um, Ryan Gosling steals it, of course. He has this Would musical number that's just... <laughs> fucking awesome <laughs> but Margot Robbie is really good too and she's an actress I'm kind of iffy on I think it's more the project she chooses mm-hmm. I, like Suicide Squad fuck that. I, I could care less about that movie she's not the problem in those movies but right right but that's what everyone identifies her yeah. with you know I don't know I got so sick of seeing <laughs> girls dressing up as fucking Harley Quinn those three Halloweens after those movies came <laughs> out anyway um, I digress um no, Barbie is good. It's it's fun. It's 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 smart. It's not. Um, it's not perfect. It's not, it's not the best thing ever, but it's a nice take. Like if you're going to do a movie based on a toy, toy like yeah, Barbie, toy property with really no plot. I mean, there yeah, I know there's like lore to right. it, but this is right. the way to do it. And there's really fun callbacks to like some of the weirder Barbie toys and things like that. Well, let me ask you, because Tiffany's desperate to know about this. Do they feature any of her, like, side people? Like, what, she had, like, a kid sister? Oh, yeah, like Skipper, yeah. Midge. Do they yeah, mention those? That. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's some deep cut ones, too, I didn't know about. <laughs> I'm not a... I, I'm, I like toy history. I'm not, right. like, a, a Barbie aficionado, but, you know, I know a little bit about mm-hmm. it. My sister had Barbies, you know, whatever. Um, did I play with them sometimes? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Toy's a toy, dude. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's some cool deep cuts in there. Nice. I recommend it. How about you, man? What have you been watching? I got two I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Okay, I need to talk about something else real quick. Oh, okay. Yeah, please. Uh, please do. <laughs> this, this, this whole past week, I've been trying to get time to watch a horror film or something. Mm-hmm. And it was storming the other night. I'm like, perfect. It's the perfect time to find a horror film. So I go to Amazon Prime. The first thing that comes up is the brand new Takeshi's Castle Uh-oh. that they're playing on Amazon Prime. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck it. I got to watch this. 
so all week long, Karen and I have been like just obsessed with Takeshi's Castle. Yeah, I noticed like every time I talk to you, you're like, well, I'm like, hey man, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, we're watching some Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> like, wow, okay. It's so great. It's like comfort food. I didn't watch the original. I watched the old MXC show that came mm. out, which was the American redub of Takeshi's Castle. Um, the interesting thing is that the original is like fucking hilarious already. Right. And, and then and this is hilarious. MXC is like equally as funny, but yeah, just in a different in, way. In a different way, right. But uh, no, if you if you just want some good pure fun, especially if you like you know Japanese culture <laughs> and, and TV shows and whatever, you, you got to check it out. It's it's a great it's a great time. Hi, right, Amazon Prime, easy to get at. Yep. Okay. Nice. Please proceed. So, um, while everyone else was rushing out to the theater to check out the um, Barbenheimer, mm-hmm. as they say. I was slipping into a different theater to go see the fifth entry in the Insidious franchise, Insidious the Red Door. Oh, yes. Um, I love the Insidious franchise. That's one of my, like, I I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but I guess, like, everyone thinks it's like a dumb, big franchise horror series that's not really worth it. So it's Friday 13th, but I love uh, it unabashedly. I I deeply love the Insidious films. And, of course, I do because it started with James Wan and UNL, so Mm -hmm. duh. Um, This newest one... It brings us full circle because there was this whole story that started in the first two films about the Lambert family. And then they spent three and four kind of doing prequels that talked a little bit more about Elise, Lin Shay's character, who was like the... Because Lin Shay's awesome. She's awesome and she deserves to be a Mm -hmm. horror lead Mm -hmm. for once. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Um, But now this one finally brings us kind of full circle and closes that story on the Lambert family. Because even the second film sort of had some little unresolved threads hanging there. All right. I haven't seen me on the first one. Mm. Um, I'll try to avoid some spoilers if I can, but uh, Insidious the Red Door, it was the debut directing of Patrick Wilson. Who I also really like. Who also plays the lead, um, Josh Lambert, the head of the family. Um, it was interesting because it was very, it was very, there was a lot of emotional depth and a lot of like good family drama to the plot. Because mm-hmm. it kind of, at times skips us to when the kids would be like getting into college age. Um, and the second film sort of ended with them going through some like hypnotherapy to forget their memories of everything that happened in the first two films because the kids were like little kids and it would be traumatic and, mm-hmm. and sort of the crux, if you don't know any of the insidious films is that um, Patrick Wilson's character and then his sons, they have this ability to very naturally, very easily astrally project. And there's this whole idea of this realm called the further. That's this realm, this astral realm you can enter where spirits reside mm-hmm. and spirits that don't pass on kind of linger there. It can become malicious and evil yeah, and they get all pissy. Mm-hmm. And that, that's sort of the crux of the whole franchise. But um, So yeah, at the end of the second film, they made them all forget everything just to tie up loose ends. They never really knew how to like stop it for good. Okay. Because like entities would seek them out because they're sensitive. Sure. Um, so this time skips us to when they're older, and it's kind of fucked up their whole life. Like Their entire family dynamic has fallen apart. The, the wife has separated from Patrick Wilson's character. He like can't get his shit together at all now. He always feels like he's like hazy. He's in a cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's become estranged from his sons, and they kind of are on, like, really rocky terms. And so kind of, like, the core of the film is really like that and, like, working out their issues and their problems. But that's all rooted in the supernatural side of things, which is that they forgot they have this gift. And that gift is both, like, a, a blessing and a curse. Right. Okay. They really, like, I think you're about an hour into the film before they actually go into the further. And, like, there's some little jump scares mm-hmm. up to that point, but... Um, they really spent time like building the characters and the relationships and everything up. And I kind of got to give Patrick Wilson props on some of his decisions mm-hmm. as far as the plot. Cause like 
uh, there's this great scene where he takes his uh, son, Dalton. That's like the lead one from the first film that is the one who's in the coma that the demons try to possess. Okay. Um, he's taking him to college and they're trying to like patch up their relationship and it goes bad and they get into this like screaming match and he basically just like cusses his son out and basically like treats him like shit. And then in the moment he's like, oh shit, I shouldn't have said any of that. Right. And he tries to like apologize, but you know, in the moment you can't. Mm-hmm. And so there's actually a scene of him like going back to his car and like getting in the car and then just like breaking down and fucking crying. Yeah. And I was like, that's, it, it was kind of like compelling to see like, you know, grown ass men actually being emotional and right. going, going through a, a thing. A- acting like a person. Would acting act. like a person yeah. and having regret. And you, mm-hmm. you think about our childhoods and it's all like men don't cry. Yeah. Men are strong. Men right. never show their emotions. Right. And I was like, that, that's cool to see that depicted in a film. Uh-huh. As one soft soy boy to I, another. <laughs> I agree. And I'll, I'll, I'll quickly interject that, that, that horror in general is great for that because mm-hmm. it's all about raw emotion for men and women. Anyway. Yeah. So in, in some ways it kind of rehashes the first film because at the crux of it all is that same demon from the first ones trying to get Dalton again. Because Darth that was, Maul looking one. Yeah. Darth Maul. I think a lot of people call him the lipstick demon. Yeah. Where he's got the red lips. Um, it, that was always his plan from the start is Dalton super sensitive so I can possess him and then inhabit a human body. And then store his soul away and the further walked mm-hmm. away. And so he kind of tries to reenact that same plan because the fact that they've forgotten everything actually makes it easier ah, yes. to, to do the whole shebang. And so one half of the film is like Dalton trying to figure out what's going on while he's at college and this demon's trying to possess him. And then the father, Josh, is trying to piece together his memories and what's going on and like his past because he has like issues where his father like left when he was a kid. Mm. And they kind of tie up a lot of that as far as like why they have these these astral projection sensitivity things going on. Well, in all fairness, that's a lot of people's you know yeah. life in college. Yeah, <laughs> family issues. Um, Fighting your so yeah, it was it was it was good typical like Insidious style jump scares where they would do a lot of fake outs and uh, fun bits like that. Good family drama story. Um, really pulled at the heartstrings at the end. Actually, yeah. okay. So you would recommend it? Got a little misty eyed, yeah. No. If you've enjoyed the films at all, it will it will be like a great kind of. So like it is. Cap it off. is a closure. It is. It ends the story of the Lambert family, mm-hmm. but it does leave it open that like the further's still sure. there. There's still going to be malicious right. spirits and demons. The story could go on, just not with them anymore at this point. Right. And it's really great because if you have followed the plot this whole way, like four films, and I'm gonna spoil this for you, Jason. I'm no, sorry, but okay. um, Elise Lynchay's character, she dies in the second film. What? <laughs> And they kind of hint and set up like her spirit's kind of going to linger to try to oversee everything and make sure it's all good. Mm. So the whole film, like you don't really see any of her other than I think it's when Dalton's like uncovering things. He finds a YouTube clip of Elise explaining what the further is and watches that. And you think like, oh, that's all it's going to be. And so at the very end, everything's resolved. They've, they've got their happy ending. They've worked everything out. Um, and Josh is going to leave and get in his car and then Elise starts talking to him and she's like there in the street and he doesn't remember who she is. And she kind of like tells him like, yo, you know, you've got a good future ahead of you. I think your family's going to be okay. Mm. And he like thanks her, gets in the car, realizes he knew who she was and looks back and she's gone. Because it was like her spirit manifesting yeah. just to talk to him a final time. And I was like, mm. That sounds like something Lin Shay would do. Lin Shay. <laughs> That's awesome. Lin Shay, ladies and gentlemen. She's yeah. lovely. She's great. Um, So super fun. If you dig franchisee mm-hmm. ghost Thanks. Okay. Nice. Uh, other thing I wanted to talk about is, and I was messaging you guys about this the other night, I checked out one of those direct-to-video animated Mortal Kombat movies. All right. Uh, Mortal Kombat Legends, the first one, Scorpion's Revenge. 
these uh I ignored these because they came out on the heels of that new movie that was just yeah. awful, awful. And I kind of thought these were just going to be like tie-ins for that. Mm-hmm. But they're really not. It's kind of like they just took the original plot of the first games and were kind of adapting them into animated movies. But the benefit is this is like Warner Brothers animation, so it's a lot of like the DC okay. animated studios mm-hmm. people kind of in the mix. So it's really good animation. It looks like the DC animated stuff, but there is some like anime flair as far as like the way they sort of chose to make the visuals and their fighting look and the combats and stuff. Sure. Which is cool. Um, it, it, like the title says, Scorpion's Revenge, it hinges it a little bit around the whole like Sub-Zero Scorpion rivalry. Um, but it does pretty much just cover the plot of the first game or first film because that mm-hmm. all, all adapting the same thing, which is, you know, they go to the island, there's the tournament. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Enter the dragon with magic. And, yes. Yeah. Which is what was always fun about Mortal Kombat. But right. uh, what's cool about this animated film is it's finally like done justice, I guess, to the game. Because the thing that's always held back every live action adaptation is they can't they can't go as far as they should with the violence and the gore and everything, right? Even the last one could have gone further, in my opinion. Yeah, they just they can't ever get there. This one spares no expense. It's rated R. Nice. It's the hardest R it can be. People get vivisected. You see like cross sections of people's body with the guts and the organs. Nice. People get like blended into pulp. You I mean, see. that was the fun thing about the games. <laughs> yeah. It was just, wow, this is so cool. You get to see a lot of the big like fatalities that you know. You see Goro like rip people's arms off, mm-hmm. and uh, Scorpion like rips off the mask and is the skeleton and incinerates people. And nice. yeah, it, it's all the fun elements of Mortal Kombat finally realized in a actual like feature you can watch. Hmm. So I was pleased. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, there's like two more, I think. I think there's one that adapts the second and third game and then one that sort of tells some of the stories from some of the later games. So cool. Cool. If you like a little animation and you dig Mortal Kombat. Nice. So today we are talking about Open Your Eyes, directed by Alejandro Amenabar. Probably said that wrong. I am sorry. Also, he has writing credits on this, and I think he worked some on the score as well. Yeah. 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 Multi-talented individual, which is cool. Mm-hmm. This is a listener suggestion. It came from a, to us from Urban Groucho. Thank you, dude. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I noticed a through line with this in another film that he suggested to us. Which I believe we may get into as we go. Okay, I think I may have made the same observation. I will hit you with the synopsis. Do it. A once handsome playboy, Caesar, finds himself in a mental facility and he can't remember why. All he can remember is meeting the love of his life for one day and then getting into a car accident which left his face horribly disfigured. But the pain of becoming physically undesirable may help lead him to find the truth. Mm. Okay. Very vague. Yeah, it doesn't give too much away. Doesn't even suggest that this might be sci-fi, which right. is interesting. Which is good. And that leads me to where we should start. What genre does this film classify as? Oh, man. Jason. This one's got a lot of genres. It does. Um, gosh. Well, I mean, okay. You've got... There is a science fiction element, mm-hmm. obviously. We just talked about you that. You get there. Um, <laughs> there's almost a film noirish mm-hmm. sort of element, too, I think. A little like neo-noir. Yeah. Uh, thriller. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely psychological thriller. Yeah. There's a lot about his mental state and mm-hmm. what's going on. Uh, I would also say like romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a good romance mm-hmm. plot mm-hmm. that goes through the film. Yeah. So officially it's tagged as drama, mystery, sci-fi. Oh, and drama, of course. I mean, you could put drama on everything mm-hmm. if you want to. Everything's drama. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm happy with that. I don't really have anything else to add. You no. Hit, you hit the other ones I thought were kind of relevant. It's a lot of major genres. Yeah. It's like genre exposure in one movie. <laughs> so I guess, shall we just dig right yeah, into the plot? Yeah, just dig into it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the first thing we hear is the title of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a black screen, and we, we hear a beeping sound, and we hear someone saying, open your eyes. Mm-hmm. It's a woman's voice. Yep. It's almost kind of a hint of like a... A loving tone to it. Yeah. It. yeah. And uh, that's when we meet um, Caesar. Yep. Played by Eduardo Noriega. And I'll go ahead and say he's very good in the role. He's excellent. He is much more compelling than how I found Tom <laughs> Cruise playing it. Yes. He, uh, he, he is the one that is replaced by Tom Cruise in Vanilla Sky. Mm-hmm. Adding nothing, <laughs> nothing to the formula. Nothing. Um, nothing at all. So Caesar's waking up. Mm-hmm. And he gets up and he's getting ready. And uh, it was his alarm clock that was. It was his alarm clock that was going off, right? Um, getting his day ready. He lives in a nice place. Uh, he's cool, a good-looking like, guy. Cool, like happening loft kind right, of apartment. Right. And he pulls out. He's driving the VW Bug, right? Mm-hmm. But he's driving around and he's realizing no one's out and about. It's interesting because at first he's taking some like side streets to kind of like cut traffic. Yeah, so you're thinking maybe they're just empty streets. But then we get to where he's going to pull out onto a main street and the camera kind of pans up more to show mm-hmm. you like the street stretching out. Yeah. And there's fucking nothing. Yeah. No people, no cars. Reminded me of the Quiet Earth mm-hmm. immediately. Yep, that was the first thing. I was like, oh, okay, some Quiet uh, Earth vibes. Yeah. So he's checking his watch. It's like 11 o'clock or something. People should be out and about mm-hmm. everywhere. There's no way. No. Um. And he's, he's obviously getting confused, disoriented. Uh, but then, oh, he's still sleeping. He's waking up again. Yeah, it must, must have been a dream of some kind. Right. Uh, but he's not waking up alone because there's a woman in his bed. Mm-hmm. And she, he kind of accuses her of like, hey, don't leave weird messages on my alarm clock. Right. And you learn that that was her voice saying, yeah. open your eyes. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, Nuria. Right? Yes. Yes. Uh, played by Najwa Nimri. Yes. She has a very femme fatale vibe. Oh, very Speaking much Speaking of so. your noir yeah. fiction. She's got that, you know, I don't know what it's called, but it's the hairstyle she has <laughs> is that pointy yeah. Aeon Flux kind of looking <laughs> thing, you know? I'm sure there's a term for it. We're I'm sure there is. Two dudes in a basement, so we don't know what that term is. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Um, but even from her hairstyle and costume choices, she's meant to be that femme fatale type, mm-hmm. you know. Which is also a nice contrast to what I remember about Cameron Diaz's character from the remake. She just comes across as completely unfucking hinged, <laughs> which I think kind of undermines a lot of the story. But anyway, I, I, I can't critique that too fairly well because it's been so long since mm-hmm. I, I tried watching it. Man, Cameron Diaz for that role—that's. Hmm. Well, see, I mean, I never liked Kim Ideas that much. I don't know why. Just something about her. I'm sure she's lovely, but it's just, I don't know. Okay, anyway. Uh. <laughs> um, there's a weird tension between the two of them, though. Clearly, they're lovers, but right. it seems like Caesar is kind of not into her as much. And yeah. She's really into him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he starts driving off, and this time, it's reality. Mm-hmm. 
Because there's people everywhere, traffic everywhere. Interesting, though, he's driving by at one point and he sees like a mime performing in public. Yeah. And he's got like a mask on. You know, note that little, for later. Little setup. Yeah. Uh, but then we get some voiceover, too. Uh, Scissor's talking to someone. Mm-hmm. Talking about how he keeps having this dream where he wakes up and no one's there. Yeah, it was the opening scene that we saw. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of get the other the other chunk of what this narrative is, where he is in a prison cell. Yes. In some kind of psychological facility. Yes. And he's wearing this very disturbing rubber mask to occlude his face because he says he's disfigured. Yeah, you don't see it at first. He's kind of crouched down in the dark. Yeah. You don't see his face. They do a real good job with like the lighting and the shadows here to, yeah. to play on that. Right. And it is weird looking because, yeah, it's almost realistic, but not quite. It's mm-hmm. got that uncanny valley thing to it. It made me think of, uh, is it Hollow Man, where he tries yeah, to yeah, yeah, put the yeah, mask on? Hollow Man, yeah. <laughs> Underrated movie. Uh, no? Yeah, I don't know. I hadn't seen it in ages. I saw it in the theater when it came out. But kind of means I never really visited. It is, yeah. yeah, which I do appreciate. Um, the psychiatrist uh, talking to him, his name's Antonio. Yep, played by uh, Chete Lera. Who I liked a lot. He's very personable. Uh-huh. And then he starts... They they allude to him killing someone, do yeah, they, they not? They, at this they point? claim that he's killed someone... Mm-hmm. And that the psychiatrist is there to sort of help him get some kind of defense yeah. on this, but he needs to know the full story of what happened. Yeah, and he wants him to take off his mask, but Caesar won't. Mm. Yeah, because he says he's disfigured, mm-hmm. but the psychiatrist says, no, they've told me that you're... Yeah, you're there's nothing normal. wrong with you, yeah. Uh, so then we get some flashbacks. Yep. And we learned that a lot of what we're seeing is really him kind of telling Antonio yeah. the events. Right. Um... And this is we get we get some like daily life of Caesar, and we learn that he's a playboy. Yep, he's he's wealthy. He's talking about his partners mm-hmm. who we never see. We learn that uh, his parents ran a really popular is it a restaurant chain? I want to say or hotels, hotel chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they died in an accident, so he inherited everything. Mm-hmm. So he's super rich. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really have to do anything. Um, and with all of this, we also get in a conversation with his friend Paleo, mm-hmm. played by Fele Martinez. I really liked him. Yeah, he, he was he, good. He had a cool just vibe to him. He had like a. It was good casting because the guy who plays Cesar is really good looking. Mm-hmm. And Paleo is, I mean, he's like an average normal looking person. He's like nerdy chic or something. like. Yeah, yeah. And he's talking about how, talking to Cesar and how he's always scoring with women. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have sex with the same woman twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Which he even talks about like, well, what about Nuria? I thought you were really into her. And he's just like, meh. Yeah, he dismisses this. Who was the woman <laughs> in his bed? Right? Yeah, he doesn't tell Paleo that, that she was in his bed. Yeah, He's got like this... You know, mystique to uphold. So we learn immediately that he's kind of a womanizer. That he's pretty shallow. Mm-hmm. Um, they go play uh, racquetball, racquetball or yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Cesar's birthday is coming up. He's having, he's having this big party. Mm-hmm. Paleo shows up. Which he does mention he's bringing a friend, right? Paleo's yes. got a girl that he's into named Sophia. Yeah. Played by... he, he laments his luck with women or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. But when he shows up with Penelope Cruz, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, bro, you're doing something right. <laughs> which, which to keep our Vanilla Skyline going, curiously, she was cast again as the same person. Yes. Which has got to be weird. And probably the best thing about that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, she is just like... Radiant. Luminous. Yeah, yeah she, she's so beautiful and so charismatic in this. Uh, and of course, Cesar is instantly attracted to her. Mm-hmm. And like a dick moves in on her. Yep, and it's 
it's very predatory the way he does it too because Nuria's there as well. And yeah. He doesn't want anything to do with her. He's trying to get away from Nuria. And he concocts this whole plan of like, oh, Sophia, you have to help me. You have to kind of just yeah. like hang out with me because that'll make Nuria not want to be around and she'll get mad and leave. Yep. And then he does this whole like, oh, let's let's ditch into this little side room. Mm-hmm. So then the two of them wind up in there. And of course, I mean, he's, he's charming. Mm-hmm. Sure, he's good looking, charming, and rich. Yeah. And a what woman's not going to be a little, you know, <laughs> flattered by this and maybe interested or whatever. But it's a dick move. It's a super dick move, especially when Palayo comes to talk to him and he's yeah. like, hey, man, come on. Like, yeah. And Palayo's drunk at this point. <laughs> he really wants to have it out with him. I mean, he, can, he can already see what's happening. Some of the fault is at Sophia's, too. She shouldn't be hanging out with him like that when she mm-hmm. came with Palayo. And that's not cool. Um, but in her defense, she does turn him down later. Mm-hmm. His sexual advances. But anyway. Yeah, Playo's like, I'm going to go home. Yeah, you know? He's like, I'm too drunk. My head's in the wrong place. Yeah, Sophia's like, well, I'll come with you. He's like, no, don't. Just stay here. <laughs> and Cesar's like, yeah, I could take her home later. Yeah. Uh-huh. Of course. Uh, so he does take her home. Mm-hmm. And they hang out the rest of the night in her flat. They have some interesting, like... I say flat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess it's... Technically a flat. Sure. Sure. It's just, hmm. we say apartment over here. I don't okay. know why I said flat. I don't know if you're Jason. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Reminder. Kill Dustin. He knows too much. <sighs> okay, so there's some interesting conversations in like relationship building when they go back to her apartment. Right. <laughs> um, where he's kind of talking about like when you look at a place, you can learn a lot about a person and the way they are and yeah. who they are and how they are. Yeah. And she talks a little bit about his place, and she's like, well, your place is very cold. It doesn't feel like it's actually lived in, uh-huh. even though it looks nice. And hers is kind of run down. She obviously mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of money like he does, you know. but it looks comfortable. Mm-hmm. There's pictures of her everywhere. Not everywhere, but there are some pictures of her in, in yep. them. We learn she's uh, aspiring to be an actress. Mm-hmm. That comes up. Yep. Which he's kind of dismissive of, because he says uh, well, he doesn't like actors because... Their whole job is to portray feelings that are false. Yeah, lie, basically. And, yeah. Which she doesn't really understand what acting is about. Mm-hmm. Very shallow <laughs> take on it. I mean, um, most actors would say it's about finding the truth, but <laughs> whatever, whatever. And there's some other funny things, like she has a cat, and he's like, oh, I hate cats. Yeah, that made me not like him <laughs> even more. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Cat's adorable, too. Yeah, it's a great cat. I was really afraid for that cat, though, when it showed up. Anytime a cat shows up in a movie, I'm like, there's a 50% chance that cat is going to get fridged or something. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like it. <laughs> so he starts to really kind of put the moves on her. She rebuffs I, him. Yeah. She turns him down. She says, no, we shouldn't. It's wrong. It shouldn't happen this way. Right. Uh, and He's like watching TV at one point. She's like sleeping. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, there's a commercial on about cryonics mm-hmm. we get this older French dude talking about his company and how they freeze people yes and can bring them resuscitate them in the future yep it's for people with like terminal diseases for which there's no cure for yeah which is a real fad in the 90s when you think about yeah it really was the idea of that being a thing and they keep saying like Walt Disney yeah because <laughs> <laughs> yeah she wakes up and asks what he's watching and that's what they talk about um, so it's time for him to leave mm-hmm and uh, he's he's walking away, but Narina, is that her name? Nuria. Nuria pulls up behind him. Mm-hmm. She's followed them there, and she's been out there the entire time. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. And she even tells her straight up, he's like, I didn't sleep with her, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. 
But he's she's like, okay, well, she said she did go home with somebody too, but mm-hmm. wasn't she? He didn't satisfy her, so she wants she wants him. Mm-hmm. So he's like, no, get in the car and we'll go boink, right? <laughs> At first he's like, no, nah, I don't think so, but. I mean, that's a hard offer to pass on. <laughs> you know? And here we learn a valuable lesson to, to think always with the right head. <sighs> Dude, that is so hard sometimes. Especially when you're younger and stupid. It's mm-hmm. just, fuck, man, that's hard. It's like, Hopefully, you know you shouldn't do this, but it's like... If we do have any younger listeners, take heart what happens in this film in the next <laughs> scene. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so, so they're going on a little ride, and... She's kind of wanting to talk about their relationship, and he's just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, and she's asking, asking jackassy questions, like, what do you think happiness is, and do you believe in God, and mm-hmm. shit like that. See, if anyone, if you're driving somewhere with someone, and <laughs> yes. they ask you if you believe in God, or they ask you how long have we been friends, that's really where you got to start getting nervous. Yeah, you got to say, could yeah. you pull over for a minute? <laughs> so, yeah, she just slams on the accelerator. Mm-hmm. Creams them over them a hill. Right off this cliff, yeah. They go down the cliff, hit like this embankment, car gets fucked up. Burst into flames. <laughs> it doesn't burst into flames. <laughs> Imagine if it did, though. It wasn't a Pinto. Well, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I, I kind of maybe want to like clip that scene and then make it be like her accelerating and then splice in the trauma car crash. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then splice it back out to when it's already wrecked. <laughs> That's great. Um, so there's kind of, a, kind of a hard cut here almost. Because mm-hmm. Cesar survived the crash, but now he's horribly disfigured. Yes, his face is like mangled, basically. And he's having these conversations with these surgeons who are mm-hmm. like, we've done all we can. Mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, his face looks like it was kind of put back together as best they could. Um, I'm trying to think of something like some famous makeup or something I can compare it to. Because it kept reminding me of something, but mm-hmm. I, I couldn't quite place it. Hmm. Um, I really don't know. It's a very unique design, I'll say that. Yeah, and it looks fairly realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, there are these big, deep scars and just parts where it's droopy. And... Yeah, because you can tell there's, like, not enough. When they reconstruct it, there's not enough to, like, make the full yeah. feature of his face again. Right. But he's furious, and he's basically accusing them of, like, you know, you can do more. And they're like, we, we really can't. We've yeah. done everything we can do. But they give him this mask to wear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, a mask? Fuck you. I've, I've spent all this money <laughs> you giving me a mask. And they're like, it might help. You know. um, and as much as he was kind of shitty at the start, he becomes a real shit now because. <laughs> yeah, I mean, OK, in, in a way, you can't help feel sorry for him because the guy just got his face fucked up. You know, anyone's going to elicit a little bit of sympathy. But right. It doesn't really make him a better person. Mm-hmm. It almost makes him worse. Right. Because I, <laughs> I think if we're studying his character a little bit, like so much of his who he was, identity was caught up in like yeah, it's I'm all this about. gorgeous playboy. Yeah. Because you could have all the money in the world at the end of the day. I mean, mm-hmm. you still got a fucked up face, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no real, like, there's no depth to him as a person. Like, he doesn't have, like, a hobby or, like, a talent. Or, well, he's you, very you good know. at drawing. He is. He is good at drawing, yeah. Because yeah. they, that's they not draw really... pictures of each other while he was over at her house. You know, that's another fun thing they do. Because they draw, like, what they see of each other. And he just draws, like, a beautiful portrait of her. Yeah. And then she draws, like, a sketch of him with, like, a fancy car and a big sack of money. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just, like, a character-type sketch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but my point is, he doesn't focus on that art. That's not, like, important to him, really. Right, right. It's almost like he's just so cool, he's just that talented without trying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So yeah, he's going around kind of kind of feeling sorry for himself and he's looking for other options if there's any other experimental surgeries or anything he can like bring to them. Yeah. Coming up nothing. Seems like a dead end. He wants to get back in touch with Sophia because mm-hmm. again they had that spark between them. Yep. And she's kind of avoiding him. Yeah, he comes upon uh, upon her in the park. Mm-hmm. And she's like being a mime for, you know, her acting studies and stuff like that. And she's like doing her best to ignore him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is technically what a mom does. What a mom does. Right, yeah, yeah. Or can do. Um, or should be doing. Yeah. If they're performing. But eventually she just has to talk to him and it's really awkward. And you can tell she just doesn't want to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to go on like nothing ever happened. And then I think the big thing is it comes when they go out to the club, right? Yeah. yeah. She and he and um, his buddy Paleo, Paleo yeah. all go out together. And it's very much a, like she's with Paleo kind of situation. And it's too. clearly that in the interim, their relationship has advanced. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of awkward. Yeah. And Paleo's trying to be good to him. At least if I would be like, oh, you know, just chat with Sophia a little bit. And... Yeah. Yeah. He, he's trying to be a friend. Mm-hmm. But the guy's a real dick, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's getting drunk, uh, getting out of control. People won't look at him. Yeah, he has a funny interaction with the bartender where he's like rude to the bartender at first because he thinks he's going to be weird about his face. Well, the bartender's not looking at him. Yeah. And I think that's what set him off. I mean, he's a bartender. I've been to lots of bars where... Lots of, <laughs> I've been to a few bars where the bartender, yeah, they're not looking at you. They don't yeah. care. But but to him, he's focused on that, so sure. that's how he It's it. all about him, yeah. yeah. Although, you know, it would be hard not to be self-conscious and overreactive. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but yeah, the bartender tries to make it up to him. He's like, hey, man, here, take this drink on me. Yeah. And then we get this cut of them just, like, slamming drinks mm-hmm. back to back to back to back, and he gets sloshed. There's a fun scene where he's puking in the toilet, and he's got his mask on, mm-hmm. but it's backward. Yeah. And also, like, when he's dancing, you see it in profile, and it... Looks like Yanis, hmm. a Roman god. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and what's real relevant quick, about that? Well, um, Yanis was the god of beginnings, gates, transitions, time, duality, doorways, passages, frames, and endings. And he was represented as a man with two faces, one forward and one on his on the back of his head. Oh. So I do not think that this was an accident. <laughs> I think this was intentional imagery on part of the director. Mm. Also, the January comes from Yanis, mm. the month. It's the beginning of the year. Exactly. Interesting. Very. Um, so he's still macking on Sophia, trying to. Trying like, to. He, he does this thing where he's, he's like reenacting their first conversation where he yeah. was trying to hide from. Anything he's done to try to talk to her hasn't worked. Which he's being like weird and forceful, which is already not good. Yeah. Uh, it, that may not have worked when he was still pretty. So. Right. Um, but yeah, he immediately like rushes her and like puts his arm around her and is like, "Oh, I'm hiding from Nuria." Da 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 da. And yeah. he like beat for beat tries to repeat that again. Yeah. And she's like, "Just stop." And this comes across as really creepy <laughs> and desperate now. Oh, and we forgot to mention that Nuria died in the wreck. Oh yeah, yeah. They they tell that to him. Yeah. Which is important to know because yeah, we don't see a body. Mm-hmm. No body, no death, right? <laughs> <laughs> no body, no case. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they're leaving and she's like, I'm going to go home. And they're like, no, let's hang out, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Caesar just wants to hang out with Pleo after that. But 
you know, he's been such a dick. <laughs> he doesn't, Paleo doesn't want to. He hang doesn't out say with it, me. but it's like you can tell Paleo's like, man, you're too sad right now. Yeah, I can't right. do this. Yeah, you're, you're bumming me out. No, we're not doing this. So he's messed up. He's drunk, and he uh, Collab- falls, yeah, he just yeah. collapses in the street. Yeah, yeah, falls unconscious on the street. And there's kind of a fade to black. He wakes back up. And Sophia's there. Yep, Sophia's there helping him up. And she declares her love for him. Just mm-hmm. like flat out. She's like, you know, after be- being around you again last night, I thought about it. And- yeah. And it's okay. You know, you look this way. I love who you are. Oh. That kind of thing. Just quite a 180 from the, the events of the club. Quite. Put and, a pin and, in that. And even the doctors are like, oh, hey, we've got this new revolutionary... Yeah, because that's the next thing is he goes home and he gets a call from them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, it just came in. Yep. We have the answer. Yep. And uh, he's like, okay, well, yeah, let's do it. Sophia comes home that night and he's like wearing like a plastic mask. Yeah. It's a real cool look. Yeah. The visual of that. Yeah. Because he was waiting for her right. to take it off. Because they don't know it's all, it's not a 100% guarantee. Yeah. So she's taking it off. And oh, man, he looks just like he did before. Gorgeous. I like how it comes off too, where it's like in pieces. Yeah, and you have to take like the sides off, and then eventually the the top part, and then like the yeah. over the mouth. It's almost like his psyche is fractured or something like that. Yeah, hmm. a lot of imagery in this film. <laughs> so that's what happens when you have a good director and a good scriptwriter. You get stuff like that. You're just fucking throwing Tom Cruise everywhere. <laughs> Okay, so, so, yeah, so yeah, Sophia's into him. He's got his face back. They're hot. They're having sex. Even Palayo is kind of like okay with right. this. Right, yeah. He just, it, it's weird. He's, it, it's almost like he's just like, you know, our friendship's more important to me. Mm-hmm. So it's whatever. Yeah. Everything's looking so much better for Caesar now. Especially when they start having sex. <laughs> well, yeah, especially. <laughs> um... So yeah, they're 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 having sex one night in the morning, um, and it's also I think at this point too he sees another commercial. Yeah. For the cryonics. Is it Life Extensions? Life Extensions. Is the name yeah. of the company. And the older French dude on there. Yeah, he made me think a little bit of like the uh, the dude from Videodrome in a way almost. Yeah, I could see that. The Brian Oblivion. Yeah. 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 Um. So he goes back to bed and he's like you know caressing Sophia and stuff, and she turns around. But it's not Sophia. I like how they do this, too, because it's very subtle at first, and we see that the hair is different. Yeah, right. Well, she's, we don't she has, she has the haircut we don't know the name of. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, shit, you know. It's Nuria. She's not dead, but mm-hmm. she insists that she's Sophia. Yeah, and he and flips he, the fuck out. Yeah, he fucking backhands her. <laughs> like, blood's everywhere. She keeps saying, I'm Sophia. What are you, what are you, what are you talking and, about? And this movie really plays with your emotions because at this point, you're kind of like, okay, I like Caesar a little bit now. But but then he, he fucking slaps her and you're like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. Although that would be, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. You can't. You don't to, know how you to would. To jump re- to that. I, I, I'm, I'm not endorsing. I'm not Sean Connery. I'm not saying a woman needs a good smack. But I mean, seriously, if you woke up and it was this woman who tried to kill you, you would probably have a reaction of some sort. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Stumble back, grab a phone, call police. <laughs> oh, he ties her up. And yeah. he's like, where's Sophia? You know, where is she? What'd you do with her? But eventually he does call the police. And they're at the station and the cop's like, you know, what the fuck's wrong with you, dude? This woman apparently is who she says she is. Yeah, she has the license. She yeah. has everything. Right. Um... 
So just go home. And it's funny because he's like, well, let's go talk to her together. And they're like, we already let her go. Yeah, we already let her go. <laughs> She's the victim here. You know, she doesn't want to press charges, mm-hmm. he says. Which they even say, like, they insisted that she press charges. And she was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I won't. He's trying to leave. Paleo's there. And he flips the fuck out on him, saying mm-hmm. they'll never touch her again. Yep. Uh, you know, we're not friends. Stay the fuck away from me. And he shows, uh, Paleo even shows him a picture that he took the night before. And the woman in the picture is Nuria. Mm -hmm. But he says, you know, that, that's Sophia. That's what she looks like. That's who she is. It gets into a real, like, is it, is it in his, him? Is it something else? They do a good job of like layering this out. So you don't really know what's going on yet. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he goes back to Sophia. Yes. And she's her again, seemingly. Right. right. So they, they kind of reconcile. She forgives them. They kind of chalk it up to just the trauma of the accident. Yeah. They think it's like a subconscious thing. Like he still thinks Nuria's out there and she's going to get him. Mm-hmm. So they, start, they start getting it on again. But during the getting on in, <laughs> uh, she turns back into Nuria. Yeah. I mean, like while he's physically having sex with her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he grabs a pillow and start smothering her. You know, what'd you do to Sophia? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And that's when we learned the murder that in question that's been hanging there. Yep. With the, like, we, we bounced back several times to uh, yeah, there's Antonio, some back and forth, but yeah. it's a lot of just frame stuff and him being like, I wish you would tell sure. me everything. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, that's why he is in jail. And now we kind of focus more on that part, too, yeah. where he is imprisoned. Right. And he's working through things with uh, Antonio. Mm-hmm. And uh, one night while he's hanging out around the uh, TV room in the hospital he's at, he sees the commercial with that dude in it again. Mm-hmm. Which, notably, we should say, um, when he was in the nightclub, oh, yeah, right. that scene, right. Uh, part of whenever he was by himself brooding, the guy from the commercial's there and tries to talk to him. Yeah. And he just sort of blows them off. Yeah. He tells him that he's like in a dream and he can control everyone around him. Mm-hmm. And Caesar's like, okay, well, I want everyone to shut up. And they do. Yeah. And they're all just looking at him. <laughs> but also his, his memories, his uh, mm-hmm. experiences are very unreliable at mm-hmm. this point too. And also at that point, he's so drunk. That's like right before he goes to hurl too. So. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. He had had, uh, in one of their talks with, um, back and forth with Antonio, he had mentioned like L.E. was like something significant, mm-hmm. somehow tied to all of this, and he didn't know what that was. Yeah, he thought, he thought Ellie. He thought it was a woman. Yeah, he thought it was a woman, and they're like, "Who is this other woman that's a part of the the plot or the what's going on?" Right. But when he sees that commercial, and Life Extension, L.E. L.E. Right. L.E. So he talks Antonio into taking him to this facility. He says, "I think if I go there under guard and I see everything about it, that will jog my yeah, memory. Really come back to me." And yeah, he straight up puts him up to like put me out on a release thing and be, you know yeah. sign off on me and right. So they they're pretending like they're father and son and they're interested in this mm-hmm. cryonics well, thing. And I did want to set up one other thing too in the, in their talks as they've kind of become friends going mm-hmm. over all of this. Um, is it they're talking about uh, like happiness or something? He right. talks about a man that he knows that has like a, a wife and a daughter. Yeah, it's like he, he knew a man who was completely alone and unhappy, but the next time he saw him, he had a wife and two daughters. Yeah, yeah. And Cesar even says, that's happiness. <laughs> yeah. 
And he kind of tells them, you know, happiness can take different forms right. and ideas of what that is. Yeah. So they're talking to, like, the salesman here mm-hmm. <laughs> at this life extension. Uh, yeah, they specialize in cryonics. Which, first, they want to talk to the guy from the commercial. But he's not there. And they're like, hey, he's not here. Yeah, he's like the head honcho. But you can talk to a representative. Yeah. Um, and he talks about how they, if you're put under, you experience these lucid, lifelike, virtual reality dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they have a whole option you can sign up for where they will like it basically makes you a mental paradise where yeah. you can have this lucid dream, have complete control, and it can be whatever you want and you can just enjoy it. Yeah. It's really that idea of like having a personalized afterlife in a way. Right. Almost. Right. And Antonio's really doubting this. Yeah. He just thinks like this is just hogwash. Scam. They're scamming people. Right. Out of their out of their money and their life savings because mm-hmm. it's very expensive. It's extremely expensive. The kind of thing that a, a rich bachelor playboy <laughs> could afford to indulge in, or Walt Disney, or Walt Disney. <laughs> so yeah, as they're going over all of this, and Antonio is kind of like, "This is hogwash. This is crazy." Uh, Caesar kind of just starts to flip out. Yeah, yeah, because he, he knows this has to be what it is. Yeah. Uh, and of course the guards were like, like, dude, you know, they already told him if you do anything fishy, we're going to fucking shoot you. Yeah. You know, so he's running around like breaking shit and yelling at everybody and guard draws his gun. Caesar grabs his gun at one point and they're Mm -hmm. like fighting (laughs) and he runs down to the lobby, gets away from everybody carrying this gun. Yep. So everyone's like, oh, yeah. It really, like, to be a film that's mostly up to this point been like this psychological drama kind of thing. Yeah. It really suddenly goes to 100. Yeah, it does. It does. And he he tries leaving uh, the building. There are cops out there. He accidentally shoots one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. But this also kind of empowers him in a way. Yeah. Because he's starting to realize that, okay, I'm dreaming. This is something. I'm making this happen. I'm in control. So you keep shooting the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that's when the, the security in the building storm out and kind of surround him. Yeah. And they're going to gun him down. And that's Antonio dives forward to try to protect him. Mm-hmm. And you think that he just got shot. Mm-hmm. Antonio gets shot. And Antonio thought he got shot because they're laying on the ground. Yeah. And so he's just like, why are you laying on me? You're heavy. Get up. <laughs> <laughs> and Antonio's, I'm shot. He's like, wait, no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. They get up, and they're the only people there. Yep. There's no one else outside in that courtyard. And it was like a crowded little like yeah. city center. Right. And they're like, what the fuck's going on? And it, I like it because even though he's like an accessory to everything, Antonio loses his shit in this moment. Yeah. Like As he he, he starts to flip out. Right. Because there's implications about his existence now. Yes. If this is actually true. Um, And it, it's almost like implicitly Caesar knows he needs to go up on the roof of the life extension building. Mm-hmm. And when he goes up there, they see the old dude from the commercials. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duvernois? Duvernois? Yes. Played by it. Gerard Bray. Yeah. And did you get like, uh, I mean, this movie came out after, or this movie came out before The Matrix, but did you get like architect vibes from this yes. guy? <laughs> Heavy architect vibes. This is like... The Wachowskis had to have seen this, right? This is the guy that shows up and is like, I'm going to... I'm explaining everything. Yeah, I'm gonna to drop you. everything right now. Big, big old plot dump on everything. But not as. But the way he delivers it, like it's so, it's so good. It's more natural. Yeah, it's, it's more not, natural. It's not as mechanical, and it doesn't bore. It's really engaging too yeah, to like hear it right. laid out. It's, it's not as uh, full of itself as it is um, in the Matrix. But what we know is that 
when he passed out drunk in the streets, he woke up. He was he found out about the life extension thing, and he went there and signed up. Signed for up it. for it, and then immediately kills himself with a yep. bunch of pills. Overdoses on pills, so he can just go ahead and get into that that yep. dream state. Yep. So pretty much from what we've seen from the movie we saw before, after he passes out, when he wakes up, that is all artificial reality. Mm-hmm. And he. Uh, um, Duvernois reveals that they are now 150 years in the future mm-hmm. since that event where he passed out on the street yep. and that everything he's experienced, they basically, it's kind of like if you took like, if his life was a film, they cut a strip there and then they cut a strip later and yeah. then like shortened it and connected it. Yeah. And they're like splicing other things in here. So there. that he never knew that he went and signed up for it. Right. And it just extrapolated from what he wanted, which was that he would get with Sophia and his face would get better and his life would be happy. Yeah. However, sort of the like doubts and negativities in his mind have impacted this lucid mm-hmm. world that he's existing in. And that's kind of injected these nightmare scenarios in. Yeah. It's like he's, he's just torturing himself. Mm-hmm. Maybe he deserves it. Because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> And um, Duvernois is really like straightforward about this. And he's like, hey, we're far enough in the future now that you could be woken up and we can fix your face mm-hmm. and you can live life again. And meanwhile, Antonio was freaking the <laughs> yes. fuck out. He's trying to call his daughters. He's yeah. like, Do I, don't I have kids? Yeah, I have What's two daughters. On? Oh, you're that guy you were talking about. Okay. <laughs> and, and he's like, I'm real. I'm real. Yeah. And, and Duvernois even says, like, I'm not real. I am just like a like idea a yeah. that was projected into you to kind of be the control in case there was a problem. Yeah. That's why I tried to talk to you at the club, because I mm-hmm. could see things were going wrong. Yeah. But you ran away, so yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. But yeah, he tells me, like, hey, you got a choice. You can now that you know this and you've conquered your fear and faced it, yeah. You can take control again and you can have and, your perfect little paradise if you want it. And, and Caesar's like, Well, how do I wake up? And the guy like looks over the building. <laughs> It's like, how do you usually wake up from a dream? Little leap of faith. Yep. And then we get a good little, like, debate with Antonio where he's like, no, this is crazy. Yeah. You're just going to kill yourself. Uh-huh. It, this can't be what it is. It's too too, too out there, too crazy, too yeah. unreal. But then Caesar kind of summons Sophia and mm-hmm. Pleo. And... and it's interesting, too, because Sophia says nothing yeah. during this whole thing. But she looks frightened, I would yeah. say. Yeah. But still smoking hot. <laughs> yeah. Which that's the look. If you find the poster for the film, it's like yeah, her in the, the, the white dress. Right. And she's got like her arms held tightly yeah. together. Um, so, yeah, he, he kind of says goodbye to her, says goodbye to Paleo, tells Antonio that he was a good friend mm-hmm. for the time they spent together. Yep. And dives off the building. Mm-hmm. And we see him go all the way down. It switches to his POV. Yeah. And he goes all the way down to the street and then it goes black. And you hear, again, like from the beginning of the movie, just open your eyes, open your eyes. And it ends on that, which is yeah. perfect. Yep. Oh, yeah. If it did, if it went beyond <laughs> that moment, it would have been ruined. That's that's the time you end it. That, that would be the ultimate mistake to make, is to take it any further past that. Yep. And that is the movie, folks. That is the film. It's a very light plot, but it's like very... It's very well told. It is. It covers a lot of it ground is. without like being too bloated. Or It's also a two-hour running time, which mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that bad, but for some movies, even that can drag. But I didn't really feel that with this. I mean, the ads on Freebie didn't help. <laughs> yeah, this is streaming on Freebie. Um, it's basically a Tubi-like platform with a worse selection, but yeah. because it's a different set of rights, there are these little gems like this film. Sure. 
that you can only get there. So it's worth putting up commercials for, especially I mean, it's free hell. Yeah. And they were never too, too invasive. I thought, no, would um, your subtitles weird? Cause <laughs> a Sophia was sofa. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, um, for Caesar, it was like C S A R. Yeah. They cut out. The, I don't it was know like if they had, or something. they had trouble with like the accented characters or something. It or, could have been that. Yeah. Strange. Mm-hmm. So I'll rattle off a bunch of notes. I have do it. Um, the director, Amenabar, imagined this script after having a horrible nightmares while he was ill with the flu. Like, I can see that. Like, real bad. Like, yeah. Could have died, maybe bad. It's like uh, James Cameron in Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, Lucio Fulci in his, uh, his fever dreams that spawned... Um... The Beyond? Crap, what the fuck is that movie called? Uh... Devil's Honey. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Devil's Honey. <laughs> I was way off. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that the story on that one? Is that he had, like weird fever from like an STD or something. And yeah, that makes more dreamed sense. Dreamed up that movie. Jesus. Jeez. Um, there's a song that plays in the nightclub when they first walk in mm-hmm. and it's Rising Sun by Massive Attack. And one line in that song that's repeated frequently is Dream On. Mm. So that's one, again, like you were talking about, there's some subtle yeah. work put in this to kind of lay things down. That's, yeah. that's another one of those examples. And I'm really glad they didn't use the Aerosmith song, Dream On. I fucking hate Aerosmith. Yeah. Good call. Um, whenever he first goes to Sophia's apartment, and um, he's like tearing the photos off her wall and like yeah. commenting on them, because he sees this all Nuria in the in the yeah. pictures. Uh, one of them is a picture of the Sandman, popular Neil Gaiman comic, mm. which if you know anything about that, has everything to do with the world of dreams. Sure does. That's another one of those little subtle hints. Yep. Yep. Uh, what else do I have here? Um, totally irrelevant, but I guess I'll throw it in. Tom Cruise said that when he saw Open Your Eyes, he whipped out his mobile phone and was trying to buy the remake rights as the credits were scrolling. Yeah. Because he knew he had to get it. Yeah. And he did. I'll give him credit. I mean, he's a savvy businessman. He, mm. he knows something good when he sees it. Mm. Um, that was like what Michael said about him is that he knows how to surround himself with yeah. the right people. Right. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. He's very good at that. That is very true. He just, he didn't have the depth for this character. Um... The Online Film Critics Society put out a list of the top 100 sci-fi films of all time ever, and Open Your Eyes made that list. It was number 84. Hmm. That's a little acclaim for him. Um, it was nominated for a lot of awards, but it didn't really win anything, yeah. which I thought was unfortunate. Um, Aminabar in 2016 spoke about the film in a retrospective, and he said that to him, Open Your Eyes was his worst film. And of it, he said, it had been written by teenagers who didn't know anything about life at that time. Huh. Which I find not, I can't agree with. I think he's very yeah. dismissive because I, I, think, I think this will affect you no matter what age you are, mm-hmm. you know? I think it's like very, very well conceived, very well told, very well constructed. Mm-hmm. But um, the budget was 370 million pesitas. Is that how you say that? I think so. Sure. Um, I couldn't find a lot of like a conversion to convert that in 1997 dollars, but if, right. you, if you converted that now, it would be roughly shy of 2.5 million. You could probably divide that by three, and that's what oh. it would be. It was probably like under a billion. Which, I mean, it looks great. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in Spain, this film was the second highest-grossing Spanish film of the year, behind Torrente. Um. In the United States, it grows $370,000, roughly. I think overall, worldwide, it was like 0.7 million or so. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what else do I want to say? Um, he wrote the others. Did he? Mm-hmm. So oh. it says right here. That's a wonderful film. Hmm. You know, I don't like that one. Oh, I do. Okay. I like the atmosphere. Oh, I have my notes, little notes about Vanilla Sky just to wrap up on that. Okay. Um, so it shifts us to New York instead of Madrid. That's one thing, of course. It pretty much sticks to the plot oh, of Open he, Your he Eyes. He directed the others. I'm sorry. Oh, shit. Sorry. Go ahead, please. Well, hey, I think the others is great, so. Okay. Take that. With, we can talk with, about that in a second. Take what you will. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, Vanilla Sky, it follows this plot very closely, which is surprising for an American remake. Uh-huh. Where I noticed it really kind of goes off the rails is at the end. That's where it very much diverges because instead of this whole, like it's a lucid dream and it was his mentality that brought in the nightmares. They, it's a glitch in the system. Right. And, um, the, the character that is the, um, Duvernois, he is sort of like a system administrator. That the over, architect. <laughs> that, that oversees. Yeah. That oversees everything. And, um, he tells them like, Hey, we've corrected the glitch. You can have your paradise now, but, um, since we had this trouble and I had to intervene, you get the choice if you're going to wake up or not because they could fix you now. So it has nothing to do with his own subconscious. And I, I hate that because it really yeah. blunts down like right. the point in a way. Yeah. Because the whole thing of, of the other way is it's like, well, now he's like the master of his reality. And the whole reason it was shitty was because internally, at some level, he had like regrets and fears with everything. And that like fed mm-hmm. into itself right. and created the nightmare. Which is kind of one of the things that happens in dreams. You mm-hmm. know, your brain is sucking through all the shit and you're compressing and, and going through subconscious thoughts. It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a typical American thing is they lose the nuance, right? Like if you Every look at time. Ring- like the remake of The Vanishing. Oh, Jesus. God, yeah. Or, or like Ringu to Ring. Like it loses some, yeah. of, the, some of the magic and the, the poignancy of the original. Right. When you transfer it. Here's this great, wonderful movie I like a lot. Let's change it. <laughs> To make it worse. So I think that's the only like fun things I have. Okay. Um, yeah, you don't like the others? He did the others right after this. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think because I just, I knew what was coming. Like mm. I knew what the plot was going to be when the first act. And I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm so smart. It's just, it's just it just seemed the logical <laughs> progression of what mm. I was seeing. It just seemed the only way that this movie was going to end. Well, I mean, it's not the first film to do that. No. Kind like, of plot. But right. But I think it's executed well. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work for me. Hmm. I wish he had done an ad- adaptation of Turn of the Screw because it had a very kind of Turn of yeah. the Screw atmosphere. Definitely inspired it. by that for sure. Yeah. Anyway, cool. it was definitely a good looking movie. I'll give it that. Uh, there's one little other side path I want to go down. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought it would be good to bring up the novel um, Ubik. By Philip K. Dick from 1969. Okay. Are you familiar with that? I am not. Cool. So, uh, in general, since this has been the sci-fi block, Philip K. Dick is one of those big, iconic, like, masters of science fiction. Yep. Blade Runner is based on one of his books. Blade Runner is one of his. um, I know we hit on some other people like Heinlein and Asimov, so good to give him a little time to shine. Mm So, uh, Ubik, though, the story is set in a future 1992 where psychic powers get used in corporate espionage. And they have a big focus on cryonic technology that lets deceased people be frozen and brought back. And it follows this main character named Joe Chip, who's a technician at a psychic agency who starts to have these strange, like, alterations in reality. And there's this substance that you can buy called Ubik that kind of, like, settles that for him, makes everything seem normal and fine. Hmm. And I really think this has to have been an inspiration on Open Your Eyes. Yeah, I would say so. 
Um, Where's that movie of that novel? Well, see, that's the interesting thing. Over the years, there's been many attempts to adapt it into a film, even as recently as 2011. Hmm. But to date, it's always been a failed... Falling apart. Yeah, it's always fallen apart at some point. That sounds cool. Sounds very ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to spoil too much of the plot, but if, you, if you've if experienced Open Your Eyes with us, it's kind of in that vein where at the end there's very much a which which reality is real, which is not. Mm-hmm. Kind like, of like Total Recall. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so to run it down for Philip K. Dick, if you're going to know him for things, Blade Runner, as you said, Total Recall, mm-hmm. uh, Minority Port, Minor, Minority Report, uh-huh. A Scanner Darkly. Another Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, uh-huh. fuck. Something about him and Philip K. Dick, I guess. Hmm. Uh, let see. A Scanner Darkly, uh, Radio Free, Albemuth, and then there was the TV series adaptation of Man in the High Castle. Oh, I never saw that. It was all right. I never right. finished it. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't read a lot of Dick. I've, I've, I read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. That's mm-hmm. the only one I, I ever read. He's a weird guy. And I wanted to bring this up, too, just since we're talking about Philip K. Dick. Here's my weird like side path you can go down for extra credit if you want. Mm-hmm. I love to bring up weird paranormal topics. Mm-hmm. And so I have to ask you, Jason, is did you know Philip K. Dick had his own series of weird mystical experiences? No. Where he received downloaded information from a higher intelligence. What? Yep. Kind of like Willie Strieber and his uh, alien abductions? Yeah, a lot less uh, butt play in this, though. So. <laughs> hey, man. Those aliens <laughs> love her um, But he said he experienced what's uh, this Greek term called anamnesis anamnesis mm-hmm. uh, which is the loss of forgetfulness or aka the remembrance of knowledge you had from existence but had forgotten in birth mm. uh, he made a long series of journal entries all about this and chronicling everything and those have been published in a book called the exegesis of philip k dick weird and so yeah he had all these weird visions and he would see these abstract patterns and he would experience like past lives and go through mm. there's one that's this whole thing about like he wakes up and he's in like the time of jesus's crucifixion and he's like one of the people just living in the city hmm. and it's very okay. like vivid detailed experiences of all of that um and he, he said he like said that there was this like higher being and he used different names like god or zebra or the one he used the most was vast active living intelligence system or Vallis, which is a novel that he later wrote that kind of took a lot of the ideas from his experiences and couched it in a science fiction story. That's crazy. I never heard that. Um, but yeah, but he said there was, there was this pink beam of light that would like, and like zap into him and it would just like flood his mind with information and knowledge. Wow. And he like madly would write all of this down hmm. to share for people. Okay. Uh, he would stay up late, late into the night writing these. And um, sometimes he would write 150 pages in one sitting. And all told, it was something like 8,000 pages, of which only a slight portion was kind of amalgamed and published as a book you can read. Weird. Um, but these experiences bled into a lot of his later works, like Vallis, uh, Radio Free, Albemuth. I want to say there's one more book he wrote that kind of leaned into a lot of these ideas, too. Hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a totally weird, totally unrelated to this film. Yeah. But Interesting. Interesting and crazy. And not enough people talk about it, I think. Yeah, so I, I want to I, I I put it out that. there. Yeah. yeah. Huh, cool. Go look right. up the exegesis of Philip K. Dick. <laughs> nice. Well, what did you think of Open Your Eyes? I loved it quite a bit, to be honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this is definitely a mindfuck movie. I love mindfuck movies. Yeah. You don't but, know. But it also, what's it's real. not obnoxious about it, which no, I really no. like. I know that's a hang up for you in a lot it of these. It really is. 
Um, and because of that, it sits in line with a lot of other films I really, really love that I just hold up as like some of my favorites of all times. Uh, those ones where it's like at Kaushin, you've got these two realities. They exist side by side. There's usually some overlap or similarities between them. Mm-hmm. But there's always that question of which, if either, is real. And does that matter? Or, you know, what what's the deal? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you didn't care for our prior film, Avalon, but that technically also sits in this realm. Hmm. A little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed that I put uh, some gameplay of Call of Duty <laughs> into the show notes on that one. <laughs> just, just so you could see people running in the same area shooting guns. I guess, I guess you were right. That's, that's, that's the game. Um, but no, of course, I think of David Lynch leans into a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive, Inland Empire, all three of those chain into that same thing. Um, of course, Nolan is all the rage right now with Oppenheimer, but we can't forget Inception. That also mm-hmm. leaned into those questions and ideas as well. Um, and even if you go backwards to like older films, one that I thought of, and I think also the director put in a reference to, is uh, Hitchcock's Vertigo. Okay. Because that he gets into that question of like what's real, what's and reality, what's yeah. reality, and what's not, and is this a trick or is this the, mm-hmm. the real deal? And in those final moments of Open Your Eyes, when Caesar steps up on the ledge of the building, he turns to Duvernois and he says, oh, I forgot, I suffer from vertigo. All and he right. kind of is shaky a little bit. Uh, and I wondered if that was a little nod of acknowledgement uh, because that's the same thing in that one. He's obsessed with that woman. Could be. And is it her? Is it this other woman? Yeah, because the director also has a cameo in the club. Mm. He's one of the patrons. He's in the bathroom. Oh. Yeah. It's a very Hitchcockian yeah, thing to right. do. Right, so you're probably right. Um, yeah, so I mean, I loved it start to finish. I thought it leaned on so many big ideas, cool ideas. Um, mm-hmm. I liked that Caesar was such an imperfect character, and like he, you, you do kind of hate him, and he is really shitty, but then there is still something likable about him. And that's a real props to the actor, I think, to, oh, yeah. to bring that out. Yeah. Because in the wrong hands, it would just... Like Tom Cruise's. In Tom Cruise's <laughs> hands, it would just be like, nah, fuck this guy. Um, and... Penelope Cruz is gorgeous. We know that. And and she really goes through a good range, I think, in this film of like emotion. And yeah, I mean, she's a good actress, too. We should mm-hmm. we should note that. Mm-hmm. She is very good. Underrated. She needs to have yeah, been in more. I can't think of that much that she's been in that I've seen, honestly. Um, so yeah, I mean, like start to finish, I loved everything about it. I loved the ideas. Mm-hmm. Loved the execution. Yeah. I liked how long they teased up to the sci-fi elements. Right. You get that seed of the commercial, but the way they play it, like... Mm-hmm. You have no reason to suspect that's anything. Yeah, at the start, right? So they really like naturally lead you into that, and then the twist of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I love a good, well-executed twist like that. I agree. And, and then again, the ending—they fucking nailed it. That's exactly where you needed to stop it. Yeah, to show us any more in any way yeah. would have ruined it. Would have been a crime. And that's where I want to go back to a prior film we've covered mm-hmm. that also was in this vein. I guess. Yes. Come True? Yes. Yeah. Which is also recommended to us by Groucho. Yeah, I got I got vibes from that too. Big vibes on that. And it made me it made me reflect on my feelings about Come True. Because mm-hmm. um, you remember how pissed I was when I first watched it at the ending? Yeah. And I did I did cool down about that. Uh-huh. And so here it made me think, like, why did this feel different? Why did this... Okay. Though like, This worked for you, but Come True didn't exactly land for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Though I, I do like Come True a lot more it. now so that I sat with it. But oh, good, good, good. I think it's because in Open Your Eyes... It like breathes a little bit with that final revelation. Yeah. Because he mulls it over. He has the back and forth with Antonio. Um, and it was the fact that come true is like she gets the text and then that's it. 
And she also has vampire teeth, which yeah. is pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great final shot, too, but I don't know. Yeah, okay. Um, I get you. Interesting food for thought. So all that said, though, actually, I actually gave this a five star because I really I had no complaints to bring forward to the table. Wow, five stars. Okay. I, think, I think it's super underrated. I think it should be like really held in there in the, the pinnacle of science fiction films. I think it's super influential. I mean, it's not the first one to do this, but... I think it does it in such an interesting way that then what it did has bled into other films. Like you were talking about like the architect. Yeah. That's totally that final right. moment of this film. Yeah. I would be shocked if Chikowski's hadn't seen this. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot too. I liked it a lot. I, I don't think I would give it five stars, but I did you really, really give like stuff five it. stars. I, do. <laughs> I, I really do. Um, but watching it, I got, I got kind of Jacob's ladder vibes. Mm, that's another good comparison times, to bring up. Yeah. Which did come out before those. Um, but one, one thing I want to talk about before I forget it real quick is that I think Cruz probably did a disservice to this movie doing the remake so quickly because people don't get a chance. Mm. It doesn't do anything for this movie. Right. It just know? buries this one. Because I think I, I think this came out after Vanilla Sky in the States. They mm. released it on video and it was like, oh, remade as Vanilla Sky on the cover. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing that. Which that's a lot like the, the J-horror boom. Yeah. All of those, you would right. get the DVD yeah, this is the, the one that's based run. on. So if you didn't like Vanilla Sky, you're not going to check this out. Yeah, why would you? Which is a huge disservice to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. It is unfairly forgotten. It should be a little bit more popular because it came out in 97 and there weren't a whole lot of mind fuckery movies. What else was going on in 97? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I think now... And, and the movie does a really good job of intelligently dropping little cues... Like the cryonics commercials, hmm. um, him talking about his dreams, things like that. Where, where the the ending, the twist isn't like a big out of nowhere moment. You know, it, it's earned. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're paying attention, you pick up on these things. Yeah, when they started dropping everything, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, right. It really like it engaged you because you had seen all those beats, mm-hmm. and then now it was like threading them for you. Yeah, and it wasn't hitting you over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Um. If you're looking for it, you're probably going to see it and figure it out before he does. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you went into this movie not knowing anything about it, like if it didn't have that sci-fi tag on it. Mm-hmm. You just thought it was like a romantic right. drama or something. Yeah. You would never think. Your mind wouldn't go there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, There's no reason to suspect yeah, it. Yeah, right. Um, it's, a, it's a well-made movie. It's well shot. It's well acted. All the actors bring yeah, every it. Every single actor like killed it. Yeah, they're good. Um, yeah, I don't really have a fault with it. Mm-hmm. You just don't think it's a five. I just don't think it's a five. And I'm not sure why. That's fair. It's one of those things I just can't... You know, a five is reserved for... <laughs> you know... You, you do your way, I do my way. Yeah, cool. sure. I get it. Um, it's, it's always free swim here at Genre Exposure. <laughs> uh, Penelope Cruz gets at least a star by herself. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that's a given. Um, I, I would give it four stars. Nice. At the end of the day. So I think it's a very good movie. Not quite a classic. Um, but very good. And if you hadn't seen it, especially if you saw Vanilla Sky and got turned off by that, <laughs> go back and watch the original. Yes. Anytime there's a remake, I always say, go watch the original. Sometimes remakes are better. Can happen. Rarely. But typically they're not. Because <laughs> whatever was good and original about the original film, they fuck up in the remake mm-hmm. because it's American studio. I, I say typically. that all the time with like adaptations of stuff. Like there was something about that that made it compelling. Yeah, to, no, let's ruin for, it. for you to want to remake it. So yeah. why don't you keep that part 
But no, we got to make it palatable <laughs> for everyone. So we got to take that uniqueness out and make it factory. Yeah. It's sad. But I mean, hey, this is on freebie. Anyone can get at it. Yeah. You owe it to yourself to check it out if you've never seen it, I think. Yeah, it's great. Okay, well. That wraps up our uh, sci-fi block, doesn't it? Yes. We are done with sci-fi for the time being. Of course, I'm sure we will come back. I personally would really like to just do a whole thing on cyberpunk at some point. but There's probably enough movies to mm-hmm. have a good range from that. There's not as, not as much cyberpunk out there as you think there should be. The thing is, it's kind of dead in a way because the future... We already have reached that future and it's not what we thought it was going to be. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but there's still plenty of evil corporations, so the yeah, spirit lives on. I don't think we've gotten there yet. Yeah. Wait till there's only three corporations left and <laughs> everyone is just continually jacked into some virtual reality. Then so, we'll be there. So Amazon. We're not that and... far away. It'll be Amazon, <laughs> Disney, and Apple? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, we have a new block coming up. We do have a new block, and it's, it's my turn to pick. Mm-hmm. Let me walk you through my thought process. <laughs> okay. Here we are. It's the summer. It's hot. It sure it's is. It's real hot. It's record it, temperatures record all around temperatures. the world. Got up to like 100 here mm-hmm. today. It's humid and sticky. Yeah. Kind of gross. Kind of gross. <laughs> um, but it's also the summer, uh-huh. right? You uh-huh. think of summer, you think summer love, summer, summer romance. Oh, so we're doing like camp movies or something? Summer love and having a blast. Yeah, like right? teen camp movies? Um, and I've been thinking too, like, I want to go back to pink films. Oh, <laughs> okay. Right? Uh-huh. So let's just thread all this together, and it is the summer, mm-hmm. and it is hot, and it is, it is nasty. <laughs> yeah. So it's time to talk about some pink films, but I felt like when we did Inflatable Sex Doll of the Wasteland, yeah. we really covered like the basis of pink films so well there Sure. that it's not worth it to go back and hash that part out again. Okay. So I thought, let's take a slice from that big pie mm-hmm. to drill in on. Big I, pinku pie? The, the pink, let's, let's just dig into the pinku pie and take a slice um, to subject our poor listeners to. <laughs> I thought it would be fitting. Um, so if you listen to that episode, you know that technically pink films are the indie production, but that the big studios had their own response. As always. That are all stylistically similar, but technically, quote unquote, aren't pink films, but are kind of talked about in the same circle because mm-hmm. they're basically the same kind of films. So I thought, let's focus on Nikatsu's Roman porno series. Okay. Specifically, Nikatsu Roman porno. Yes. Which so, stands for romantic pornography. Yes. And this was their, their, their stab at doing the studio formula for pink films. Okay. A um, little less um, adventurous compared to Inflatable Sex Doll as far <laughs> as the, the surrealness and the, yeah. the art house and... Right. A little more formulaic, you know, that's where they got into the things of having the rules of like, you know, every so many minutes you got to mm-hmm. have a bit of nudity or a sex scene or, sure. um, but yet still within that format, people thrived and did interesting things. Mm-hmm. So that's our, that's our focus for the next block. Okay. And I am kicking us off with a film from 1979, Zoom Up Murder Site, directed by Koyu Ohara. Zoom Up Murder Site. Yes. Now, this was the first entry in one of several sub-series that they had in this label known as the Zoom Up series. You're, you're going to quickly learn what that is as you see the film. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot of camera zooms. That's the whole, the whole gimmick to it. Oh, because it has Franco movie. Mm-hmm. All right. A bit like that, yes. <laughs> um, I thought I would give a little context on this since it is uh, the unexplored territory probably for most listeners, but let me hit you with the synopsis for this film. Okay. I picked this one specifically because I think... Um, there was that whole thing of like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch these weird uh, 
kind of adult films or whatever, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to branch into that. This this film in particular, like it's couched a lot as a horror film, so I think if you, you're a horror person, that's kind of like a through line on this one. You can you can like write on, okay, to, to you know to get there, and it's still it's it's something familiar in a way. So, a violent killer is preying on women and dumping their bodies in an abandoned building. Tomoko cheats on her lover with another man and thinks the killer saw the romantic tryst while committing a murder. She doesn't want to go to the police because she's afraid her affair will be discovered. But the killer continues his murderous spree. What will Tomoko do to hide her torrid secret? Can she escape the hands of the murderer? Okay. All right. So we've, we've got a black glove killer. We've got murders going on. A little jealous. Uh, and we've got a bored housewife having an affair that gets caught up in the mix. Now what year did this come out? 1979. What's um, the name of it again? So huh, <laughs> there's a little confusion with the name. Um... We'll talk about that in the next episode, but okay. for the time being, we were referring to it as Zoom Up Murder Site. <laughs> if you wanted to go buy the Blu-ray that exists, uh-huh. that's what you would search for Okay. because reasons that we will get into uh-huh. next time. Uh, I thought I would like kind of hype it up a bit by sharing this quote. This was from um, the Japanese Cinema Encyclopedia uh, by Thomas and Yuko Mihara Weiser. Oh, yeah. I got a couple other books. Um. And I think this is just a great way to tease this film. So they describe Zoom Up Murder Site as a collection of staggeringly repulsive murders, perhaps the most sadistic ever generated in film. The words misogynist and mean-spirited can barely describe the atrocities that you will see at hand. Okay. So, yeah. Sounds fun. Buckle the fuck up. Now, are your average viewers going to be able to catch this somewhere? Is this streaming somewhere? God damn it, Jason. Hold on. Um, this isn't streaming anywhere, unfortunately. There is both a DVD and a Blu-ray that is available by... We should also set this up from the start. Uh, <laughs> Synapse Films has a side imprint called Impulse Pictures, which is sort of their adult label. And they have several sub-imprints in that. One, I think... The popular one's what? The 42nd Street Forever or yeah. something. Yeah, a bunch of trailers. Uh, which is a lot of that kind of stuff. But they have a whole other thing that's just called the Nakatsu Collection, which is they licensed a ton of these Roman pornos and have been releasing them. And most of them are DVD because that's the only quality print they ever had to work with. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in doing a Blu-ray, but a few, they have had the materials to actually do a Blu-ray release of which this film will have one. So if you want to get it, you're going to have to either track that release down and pick it up okay. or it's on Amazon for 17 bucks or 18 bucks right now. Or, you know, do, do your internet thing, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, the cover is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, weird territories, as we know, and as we always say, you know, go go with yourself, go with your comfort zone. Yeah, know your limits. If you're like, I don't want to get into any of these, that's cool, dude. Just tune in and listen to us banter at the start about some movies we watched, and then yeah. and then go about your business, bitching about some new trailers, or, or um, yeah, bitching about whatever trailer came out, or <laughs> or you know, if you just say, I want to take off like a month or two from the show and come yeah. back when you're. Back on something else. I assure you that when we finish this, I believe it'll be very close to October. So you know where we're going to be going oh, yeah. after that. That's right. It's the holy season. So yes, next time, Nakatsu Roman Pornos. Kicking it off with Zoom Up Murder Site. Now, I don't know the whole social media game on this. I think that putting the word porno in stuff is like a no-no. So I'm going to play with that and see what happens. I might have to start just saying the Nakatsu Collection, yeah. which is how they've marketed their releases. But right. um, we'll see how much trouble I get in on X. <laughs> okay we'll, we'll see what happens I'll play around with that 
You won't want to get in trouble on X or anything. No. Um, so all that said, we've reached the end of our show. You know what's coming up next. Buckle up for that. You can hit us up on all the social medias of your preference. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on X. <laughs> Whatever. Why? Why? <laughs> what the fuck? Why ever? did they do it? I woke up today and my, my app had changed on my phone to X. And I kept getting notifications all day from X. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, oh, wait, that's Twitter. <laughs> like you, you make short messages and they're a tweet and it's a Twitter yeah, yeah. for your tweets. You, you buy something it, with a brand name <laughs> that billions of people fucking use and then you just yeah get rid <laughs> my, of that my favorite thing and i guess i'll share this on air so i can link people to it as well um they want to call it regionally so if it's like in france it's like x france right sure um so for japan that makes it be x japan except there's a very famous rock group from japan called x japan mm-hmm. yeah which is making all kinds of weird conflicts of, of i'm sure licensing and marketing and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and everything else yeah, it's almost like you didn't think about it. Brilliant. Yeah. But they're a good band, and I'll, I'll toss a song in our show notes. Nice. <laughs> Even though it's irrelevant and everything else. <laughs> so all that said, send us your thoughts about Open Your Eyes. Have you ever seen it? How do you think it stacks up to Villain of the Sky if you've seen that? Send us your sci-fi picks that you think we should check out down the road. So of course, we couldn't hit everything. No. Uh, we always love listener suggestions. Keep tossing them in, bringing them to us. If we cover your film, we will mail you a super cool genre exposure sticker, free of charge. You just need some kind of mailing address, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which we'll be in touch if that's the case. Absolutely. Yeah, you know you want it. You know you want it. It's super cool. <laughs> we definitely won't show up at your house with spookies. <laughs> Unless you want us to. Spookies, spookies and X. It's not a threat. It's a promise. <laughs> <sighs> you have been listening to Genre Exposure. Bye, everyone. Take care. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening